As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hey folks, welcome into Ont Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor, joined by Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney here to talk Cubs. And it's a Monday, which means the Cubs totally won a series but lost yesterday. So we've got to, you know, have that weird mix of uh, positive, mostly positive feelings. I really wish they would stop doing that. Someone pointed out to me that uh, I had forgotten that the Braves series last weekend was actually the Cubs lost the first one and won the latter two. And, but that's been rare this year. I mean, they have, it's at least five times I'm shooting from the hip. Never do that when you're on a podcast where people can, you know, spot check you <laughs> with their phones. But uh, I feel like it's about five times that they've won the first two games of a series and then lost on Sunday. It's gotta be. And it, it is fine. I'm not complaining about series wins. That's a great series win in Toronto. We're going to talk about that, but it's, I'm being picky being picky at this point and i would like you know you win the first one because that gets you all charged up and excited and you lose the second one it's like god damn all right going into sunday i got a chance to win this series i hope they can pull it out and then you win the series on sunday it's very uplifting it's very exciting it's a great way to end your weekend and go into your week i just wish they would do that it's the same outcome guys i'm not asking for more wins i'm just saying just shuffle the order a little bit so so you would have preferred if javier assad pitched poorly is what you're saying you you're you're anti no, just pitch him on Sunday. Oh, <laughs> no, just flip, flip, flip Tyone and Assad. And, All right. No, we will. We so let's 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 talk about that a bit actually, because the rotation stuff. We talked about it in the last podcast, but it's going to permeate a bit because uh, of what has happened. So the big discussion point the last time we talked was about Drew Smiley moving into the bullpen temporarily ish. We'll see um, Javier Assad getting another start or two or three-ish, we'll see, uh, and Marcus Stroman eventually returning. Well, some of those things have crystallized now. Uh, for one thing, you had Drew Smiley pitching just a one-inning, true one-inning relief appearance, which we'll put a pin in that for now, I guess, because you'll still see how he's used, but that was not what I was expecting. That wasn't what I expected his first appearance to look like, um, because when you ratchet a guy down that much it, like if he does another one inning 
quick short burst appearance. I mean, that's going to lengthen the time that it would take to return him to the rotation and figuring out how to stretch him back out, uh, how to get him outings that would make sense to do that. Um, I found that interesting, Um, but it's just one inning could be like a side session for him in a blowout. So you don't do much with it, but set that aside. Uh, You had Javier Assad making one of the Cubs best starts in a month. I mean, he was fantastic. Uh, He still doesn't register a lot of strikeouts, but he, his, his pitches stay off the barrel. I mean, they just really do. And he's got four or five of them that he uses consistently each start. He's got five that he can use, but he pretty consistently is mixing four of them in each start. And he just keeps guys off balance. And and we know that profile. We've seen it before with some other Cubs starters, command and control profile that can be very serviceable at the back of a rotation. If you've got a good defense behind you, it can play. And I found that quite compelling. And it was good enough, especially after his last outing, you know, he's he's getting another start or two or three. Like there's no that that is unquestionable at this point. And uh reportedly Stroman uh, could return on Wednesday uh, for the the second game in this White Sox series. So I guess the question is, is that the rotation now? Is that what we're going to see for the next three plus weeks until and unless some big need change, uh, you know, has Assad supplanted Smiley in the rotation and then Stroman returns and those are your five? Yeah, you know, when when talking to David Ross about this, he wasn't uh, he wasn't going to commit like uh, outside of one time through the rotation he seems very he that seems consistent with how he likes to do things when when there's a situation like uh there is right now with smiley uh with hadavi he was pretty he was almost like kind of excited to see what smiley could do out of the bullpen i think there's some things that they're focusing on trying to get him to stop thinking about certain aspects that are happening when he starts, and maybe maybe that can loosen up uh, out of the bullpen. And I, I brought up exactly what your concern is after that one-inning outing to Hadovy before they used Smiley. Like, if, if this is a situation where you'd like to have him start again, how do you kind of do that if he's coming out of the bullpen without having a long, uh, you know, having any issues of stretching him back out. Hadavi didn't seem too concerned about it. Even he's like, even he's like, well, we can use multi-inning outings. And even if we don't, I don't like, this is something he's done before. And we, we think we can stretch him back out pretty quickly. Uh, so I think if, it, if they do do it, it, you know, they, they have a sod on the back end, essentially, right? It's going to be a situation where, if they can stretch him back out pretty quickly to three innings, right? That's not going to be an issue. Um, so, so I think it, it, it's a situation where they're they're not too concerned. They're they're not gonna hold Smiley back from getting innings or seeing what he can do as a reliever, uh, just so they can keep him stretched out. I guess is that. And and I don't your your question is this the rotation going forward? I'd say I don't think they know fully yet like I, I think they're playing it when when they say uh, you know when when Ross says he's taking it like outing by outing I think he kind of means that I, I think they have a general plan because I did have an inkling that that Smiley wasn't gonna start on uh, uh in the Toronto series but it wasn't confirmed like they hadn't figured that out um I want to say 
they had a meeting uh, sometime in New York, and I'd heard that they were having this meeting and that, that that was the primary thing that they would be discussing, how to handle Smiley in Toronto. And and they I think they're going to continue to go about it that way. Let's, let's break it down by series. Let's see how these matchups work. Let's see how guys are pitching. Let's see how the bullpen is. I think this week is going to be an interesting sort of reset for the bullpen. I know everyone wants, uh, wants more aggressiveness during these, uh, during this time, but I also think it may be like, I think some guys just aren't feeling great. And I think they're trying to get them back to where they want to be, uh, physically and th- and that's not like uh it's less like I'm hurt and more just like they've been used a lot and and just like they've been uh, leaned on in big moments a ton lately so almost like a blowout like yesterday can help with the day a- day off afterwards uh I think that that can be almost a bonus at times for these guys uh it'll it'll I'll be curious to see how the bullpen comes out it, it, something that I was thinking a lot of team like, you know what the benefit of getting another uh, arm would have been? Maybe I mean maybe Quas is enough, but the benefit of another arm is is not just it strengthens your bullpen; it gives rest to other guys, right? So like that, it's almost like they missed out on that. Like kind of like you, they've been leaning on these guys since May, right? Like it's been this group since mid-May uh, that they've really started using in high leverage moments, and you know pretty much you know. When Merriweather, Leiter, Alzali, and Fulmer have been a part of the bullpen all season, right? I haven't missed that. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm remembering that right. They, they've, it's not like they've any of them have, have spent some time in the minors and getting low, like uh, not getting used as much. They've, they've been leaned on. So it, it's going to be interesting to watch. I like the group. It's a good group, but I think it's, it's kind of tied together here with how, how they figure out the, the rotation and how, how things go with the bullpen. We need the uh, Joe Madden beach day for Pedro Strope. Remember when he showed up at his locker, <laughs> there was like a beach chair there and some other gear as a reminder to uh, take it easy since they had been... <laughs> No leaning on him so, so hard. Funny. I was thinking about that just the other day. So weird that you brought that up. I literally had to Google it because I was like, that sounds like kind of a made-up Joe Madden urban legend. But no, it, it did happen. Uh, yeah, I feel like it's kind of all hands on deck here, right? Like you you can't manage every game like it's uh, Game 7 of the World Series. But I, I'm, I'm with you. I think they look at the series. They look at the workloads. They look at the matchups. And, you know... There haven't been that many guys. I mean, I'm including Stroman in this bucket. Like, if he doesn't have it, he's not going to be throwing seven innings. Like, if you, you know, if he's coming off the injured list and you think you have, you know, a couple pockets here and there for him, you do that and you back him up. And I think, you know, you're right, too, in that Ross hates revealing some of these things. And, you know, they make it like 99% certain, but they give 1% wiggle room just in case the plans change. But... I think you kind of piece it together here, you know, the best way to get, you know, 27 outs without like killing your staff. And, you know, this is certainly the stretch of the schedule where you can probably do that a a little easier and set yourself up for September. You know, what's interesting in all this is the Cubs having a good offense actually has made things a little harder on the bullpen. And that 
because games where it's, you know, five, two and the Cubs are losing, it's like, well, that's, that's still very much in reach, you know, that is in range. And so the, the Cubs haven't necessarily been as able or, um, willing to cover those middle innings with like, uh, you know, depth arms because it's like, well, we could still get into this game. Uh, it's funny. I hadn't until this, this conversation, I hadn't thought about the relationship between having a comeback type offense and your bullpen because it does limit the number of games where you can truly rest guys. But I I do agree with the thinking that there's an opportunity here for a really good reset for a lot of guys because you've got, you know, three off days in relatively close succession. You've got a fresh rotation arm returning, which I'm not saying, you know, like Mooney's right. He's not going to go seven innings if he doesn't have it, but, but it's an arm that wasn't in circulation and comes back in and eats up some of those innings and pushes everyone aside. You've got Assad taking more innings than he had been. Uh, and then you have a, a fresh, completely fresh arm in a way in Smiley in the bullpen. And so I think that there's an opportunity there, particularly if the games play out in a certain way um, for the Cubs to really give Oh, you know, have a have a week or two where guys are sort of a little more lightly used. And it stood out in the Friday win, which was a four run lead that David Ross, nevertheless, kind of he was treating it a little closer than that, you know, and then you had Alzali coming in to close it out, even though it was not a save. And I don't care about the statistics of it. I don't I don't care. It was really more of a no, we've got to have this win. And that, too, is a tension between managing your bullpen for the next six weeks versus wanting to win every game. I want to comment on a related part of that, and then we can flip to other parts of the discussion. But I thought of this concept too on Saturday with Justin Steele. Um, It was sort of a mixed outing by the results, but like he was really missing bats. He had some really compelling stuff going. It was the hardest he's thrown in months. And he only went five innings, pulled at 84 pitches. And this was, what, uh, a start ago and then the start before that where he was, like, really getting pushed up there pretty aggressively to to make sure that more innings were covered for the bullpen. That is a tough job on a manager when you're talking about a young starter who's now over his career high in innings who you know you need to win these games to get to the to, – to, a point in late September when the games still matter. And yet you can't shred the guy now because then he won't be there for you when you need him later. And so um, that, I think that all too speaks to the idea of like, man, I can't believe they didn't get another arm at the deadline because these innings, you, you have to spread this around a little bit more than they have been. But I think folks just need to keep this cons, all of these concepts in mind as you are evaluating David Ross's decisions over the next four or five, six weeks, because he it can't just be about winning that night's game. It can't. It there's just not 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 just to protect guys from injury, but because you want to win two games down the road. You know, like you have to think about this um, in a much more comprehensive, holistic way. Yeah, and it's right. It's not just Steele's innings, right? We're we're talking about uh, Merriweather, who I'm pretty sure is at a career high for innings pitched. Um, Mark Leiter Jr. I don't think is at a career high for innings pitched, but uh, definitely but that's because used to yeah, be definitely uh, appearances, right? So he's being used differently. So this is a career high in appearances. Edward Alzali has never pitched like this before. Uh, 
Fulmer, I think, is fine. You know, he's been doing this for a few years. Uh, but, you know, former starter. So still, like, this is this is probably the year where you say, like, he's he's good. You, you can kind of trust that he, he's good for a longer part of the season. You know, I don't want to dismiss the Quas edition. I think we we probably all overlooked it, but it looks like he's quickly become trusted. I don't know if that's just like Ross is like, this guy looks good in one inning. In the first inning, I saw I'm gonna I'm gonna use him. I'm gonna use him in the seventh. Let's see if I, if he if he does well. Oh, he d- did well. He's gonna get another inning. He, he's gonna he's gonna go out there again next to you know next to high leverage moment that I can get him in there that makes sense uh, because of what you just talked about Brett not just with steel but like with the bullpen you got to monitor these things uh, it, it have to be hyper aware of their appearances their innings pitched uh, they're not they've done a decent job of spreading the work around in the sense that. I don't think these guys are up there as far as appearances or innings for for relievers as far as the rest of the league goes. It's just where they are in their careers that kind of concerns me and and what they've done in 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 the past that that I'm kind of keeping an eye on. So you'd like uh, Daniel Palencia to kind of settle down and and get things right. Um, I was looking at one, one thing that I've been thinking about is they have those two open 40 man spots, right? Uh there's a couple guys on the 60 day that I guess you could see coming back. Uh, you know, I don't know what they're going to do with Brad Boxberger. I'm not too, I'm not too like uh, focused on him, but at some point he's going to like, are they going to just add him and then release him? Is that the plan there? But then there's Nick birdie. There's Brandon Hughes didn't have major surgery like expected. So is he on a plan to come back? Uh, there's one other reliever that is on the 60 day that I thought, Ethan. Oh, Ethan so okay. So Ethan Roberts probably isn't coming back this year. But but those three, like, keep an eye on what what they do with the with them, and then adding another one to the forty man if that's what they decide. If if there's someone that they're just going to add to the forty man, uh, if Brandon Hughes isn't ready and and they go like Luke Little looks great at AAA, something like that, or is Shane Green was Shane Green signed with the intent of bringing him up a veteran righty? Uh, stuff like that. I mean, there. I, I think we're gonna have to keep an eye on what's going on at AAA, uh, for them to whether it's to help for to give them a look for can these guys help in October or just can these guys help ease things in September, right? I, I think either way you want to look at it. You, you maybe you get a surprise and a guy's impactful enough to consider adding him to the postseason roster if they if they can continue on this run or or it's just easing up the workload and I think that that needs my guess is they're they're discussing these things constantly because that's a concern for them because you know I it's weird how suddenly I'm, I'm not too concerned about this offense in the back of my mind I'm wondering like when is this gonna stop like when when am I gonna stop like having so much faith in the offense kind of grinding through pitching and, and putting together really strong games like like Sunday was a bad game for them I guess you could say they didn't have a ton of hits and they still scored four runs so you know that's if, if that's what this offense is gonna be, Right now, your focus has to be on on what how the type of length they can get out of the starters and and the health and the effectiveness of the bullpen. I normally love talking about warning signs and doom and gloom and things like that, but I <laughs> want to thank Sahade for holding down the fort while I was on vacation for a week. And 
Uh, I definitely had a little bit of a different perspective after being on the East Coast and spending some time around Mets fans who are just like totally losing their minds uh, during this season. And then the White Sox coming into town kind of makes me think of this too, of like, you know, for all the four, you know, faults that this team could have and things that could go wrong, like so much has gone right. They've given themselves a chance. And I think when you see like a failed White Sox rebuild, it's a reminder of how the Cubs have to seize this moment. And when you look at how far the Mets have fallen, how much the Padres have underachieved, how while the Dodgers get great results, this wasn't an off season where they were, you know, signing stars or, adding, you know, Max Scherzer or you Darvish or Trey Turner at the trade deadline. Like I don't look around at the national league and see like, Oh my God, the Cubs have no chance against these guys. And that's not guaranteeing a world series, but it's looking around and being like, this team is pretty good. They survived that post trade deadline letdown, which I think we all were kind of curious to see like, Oh, they're going to hold on to, Strowman and then he's going to get hurt. Oh, well, okay, that did happen. Or they're going to hold on to Bellinger and then the team's going to go in the tank. And they didn't. And, you know, having that winning homestand against two playoff contenders and, you know, splitting a road trip that on paper going to the season looked like a really difficult stretch, you know, that's a win to, to tread water there. And so I think um, this is where kind of the expectations have to be recalibrated of like, you know, this, you know, none of us were like on this podcast in April, like guaranteeing the playoffs by any means, but it is well within their grasp and they absolutely have to bank some win here, wins here and take advantage of an opportunity that doesn't come around very often. I don't think you can take for granted like, Oh, you know, they're just going to pick up where they left off last year um, when they get to Mesa next year. Like this is a wide open division. That clubhouse doesn't think the Brewers or Reds are all that good. Um, they have to go out and prove it. And to this point, to their credit, uh, they have. They've weathered a lot of storms. Uh, they convinced the front office to add at the deadline. And now uh, they have to go finish the job, period. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. 
Learn more at marines.com. Well, not only is is that a great point that um you know, having that perspective from Mets fans and White Sox fans, two two very different sets of circumstances but both coming to the same place of being reminded that for as great as things can look on paper, you know, with the White Sox it was I remember when it was like every day they were signing a new extension and they had this core that was like, holy crap, they're going to be great for a long time. And with the Mets, it was, you know, every day they're signing a new free agent and piling on this group of talent. And both have been terrible this year. And for the Cubs, like Mooney said, you know, we don't know that that's not what next year has in store for the Cubs. You know, like we can look on paper right now and say, well, they're having a great competitive year this year. We'll see what happens. Uh, and they're they're only going to be better next year. I think that's I, I think that's a decent argument to make. But like, there's no guarantee of that. The only guarantee is here on August 14th in 2023, the Cubs are in contention for a playoff spot. And so I'm glad that they as players are really embracing that. I'm glad that the front office embraced that at the trade deadline. And I'm glad that I, I mostly see fans around me really having that same spirit of 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 knowing that this is rare and special, um, even at a, at a modest scale. You know, these Cubs aren't the Braves. They're not like, oh, man, you better take advantage of this when you're this good. Um, and bringing it back to more near term, the Cubs have indeed weathered a bit of a tougher stretch. Uh, and now they get a run of several series in a row uh, in the run up to <clears throat> they conclude this month with a series against the Brewers. But before that, it's like four bad teams, and we know bad teams can beat the Cubs. They did lose two. They did lose two of three in New York against the the very Mets that we are uh, haranguing right now. But I think that generally speaking, the Cubs are going to be favored in all of these series, and they're this is happening at the same time as the Brewers are playing a number of very difficult series. They're they're coming off a light stretch for them, and so. You'd love to see before August is up. You'd love to see the Cubs make an additional move uh, from here in the standings. Yeah, three and a half games back right now. Weak stretch for them. Tough stretch for Milwaukee, like you said. If- oh, wait, I got to I got a bitch for a <laughs> yeah, second. Because yeah. <laughs> you, you, you saying the three and a half games back is reminded me. It is really <laughs> effing annoying that the Cubs took two or three from the Blue Jays in Toronto, you know, that's a great outcome. And they fell a game back in the standings because the stupid-ass White Sox couldn't hold on to multiple leads that they had, a couple of them sizable against the Brewers, and they end up getting swept by the Brewers this weekend. Thanks for frickin' nothing, White Sox. And you know they're going to play out their ass this week against the Cubs. Uh, Now, the Cubs can still beat them. I hope they still do, but it is just setting up to really piss me off. So I just wanted to make sure to get that in there. Yeah, those games, I I, I kept an eye on those games, and it definitely, uh, uh, as they played out, I was like, oh, Cubs fans are not going to be happy with the way these games are playing out. Because I think they had, like you said, they, I, it was late leads too, right? Like seventh, eighth inning yes. type stuff. Well, what they had in the first two games, they had like big leads early yeah. that shrank to... Small leads late. And then blown. Shrank to yeah. blown games. And then uh, other random stuff happened last night, too. I mean, Pittsburgh split with the Reds, but they blew a game in the second one of that doubleheader. Uh, I want to say Texas 
almost swept the Giants, which would have kept the Cubs only yeah. a game back of them for the second Wells Fargo. Yeah. After taking off yeah, an extra down innings. by a run. Yeah, was, yeah, I watched that. I was pretty annoyed about that one, too. <laughs> I figured. I figured. That's what this yeah. is. right? That's the joy of scoreboard watching in mid-August, which that's how you can tell we haven't got a chance to do this in a long time. Like, this is way too early, <laughs> way too early to be, like, pissed off about a random Rangers Giants right, game. Absolutely. But I was. Yeah. Uh, but, and I was seeing the, the reaction on Twitter of how, like, they can't fall behind the uh, Milwaukee this far. Oh no, it's disastrous. I was like, it's going to be okay. Like this isn't a disaster. Like you, you obviously you want to prefer you, you prefer them to be closer or in first place. But three and a half games can be you know they can catch up here, and this is the stretch that they do it right. This needs to be. I mean, if they're still three and a half games back, come the start of that series, it's not like that's not awful. But it's also like, oof, what just happened? How do they not gain any ground here? I, I think the ideal scenario, obviously the ideal scenario is running away with the division. I'm just saying, I think it's very realistic to expect them to be tied or, you know, very close. Like one team half game up, whatever, however the situation works out um, by that, the start of that series to end this month. And that that's just going to be fun to if, if that's the case I, I i really hope they they're able to stick with them and and gain some ground and make that a really exciting way to open up uh, you know like get into the final month of the season cuz that that'll be a fun series to cover that'll be that'll kind of renew things that had kind of fallen apart for the cubs over the past 3 years as far as that rivalry goes and i mean that's the that's the team that basically sent the old Cubs core on their way, right? With that, was it a four-game sweep? Whatever it was, it was a the Jake Arrieta game that nobody will ever forget, right? Uh, where they had that immediate seven-run lead or whatever it was, and the, like the first pitch Arrieta threw, you're like, they're they're gonna lose this game, aren't they? <laughs> it was just that bad of of, uh, of results for him almost immediately. Uh, so. So it's just, I mean, that that's fun to cover, right? That's fun to watch. The, the fans are going to hopefully enjoy the tension that that provides. And um, it, I, I hope fans can appreciate that. I, I saw some people still being stressed out about the Rajay Davis home run the other day. And I was like, how can you be stressed about that? that? That's like a great moment now. Look back and remember how cool it was that the Cubs almost blew that and still won that game. That's great. Like, that's exciting. That's historical stuff. So, like, try and enjoy these tense moments because they. I think we've learned over the years that uh, they don't ha- happen as often as you'd like. So, so it, it's it's good that, like, like we said, we don't know what the future holds. So, uh, enjoy it. it the, the Cubs are are in it. They've, they've proven a lot of doubters wrong, and, and they look like a pretty damn good team, so so keep it up. White Sox, Royals, Tigers, Pirates. I mean, those teams, depending on how the uh, draft lottery falls, those could be the top four teams in next year's draft. I mean, they've got to clean up here, but I'll, I know I'll give them credit here for – the pitching concerns we have, like whatever they did during garbage time last year to finish so strong, like that's that would give me confidence if I work for the Cubs or if I'm a Cubs fan. Like they've been able to piece these things together before under much worse circumstances. So I wouldn't necessarily bet against them 
now. And I'd also give this group group credit for being in like survival mode for a long time. That this is not the group that just fell on its face um, in 2019 or in 2021. Like there is uh, some cohesiveness there. And, you know, I think that will really uh, serve them well here in the next several weeks. Yeah, I think one thing we've noticed this year with this team is they just don't wilt at any point when something goes really bad. You know, I think we did get used to in the last several years where, you know, that Jake Arietta game, for example, you can sort of see, uh-oh, that's the start of something bad. And um, this year there have been several really bad losses where it's like, oh, shit, it, it was like a a game that was lost in a very bad way at a time when you really didn't want the Cubs to be losing that game. And they just bounce back the next day. Like it's nothing. And that's not always the case. And I think that in, in this context, what I've really liked is post trade deadline. There wasn't any letdown of like, okay, we're playing with extreme urgency to ward off a sell off. And then it's that happens. And then it's like, okay, you exhale and then, uh Oh, things spiral on you a little bit. That didn't happen at all. Not at all. They just it just kept on being what they were doing. And I think that's very encouraging. And so I think it's much more likely than not that the Cubs will take advantage of this soft stretch. And, you know, it's 12 games. They might win eight of them, and I'll be perfectly happy with that. And the Brewers might win four of their next 12, and then ba-bam, they switch places. So um, we'll see. We'll, you know, we will be with you guys many more times before the end of the month. But that's just to kind of set up how we're thinking about this stretch for the Cubs. Uh, this is On to Waveland. It's a Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor. You can get my stuff at Beach Nation. That's of Sharma and Patrick Mooney. Get theirs at The Athletic. We appreciate you listening as always. I hope you were able to enjoy your weekend, whatever the structure of the Cubs wins. I hope you enjoyed a great series win against the Blue Jays and that you have uh, a nice start to your week before the Cubs take on the White Sox. Take care, all. Thank you.